0: And I used to have a jar of, like, bugs and flies, and I would keep it in my bag. (laughs) Is it going to be all... Doesn't everybody carry bugs and flies around in a jar? (laughs) Hello, and welcome to All Through a Lens.
1: This is the podcast about film photography, where we discuss... Kind of a lot more than just film photography. <laughs> I'm Vanya. And I'm Eric. And we've got a hell of a show for you. Good gracious, Dewey. Hope you got some popcorn because it is movie night. We've watched One Hour Photo. That's the Robin Williams film about. Oh, you'll see. And my God, do we have a lot to say about it.
0: And if you're worried that's not enough, we have a special guest. I promise you, it'll be worth it.
1: Yeah, but first, Vanya, how have you been doing?
0: Well, to be completely honest, I haven't been sleeping very well. Mm. And this has probably been the first time I've really had a public platform to talk. Yeah. So I'm kind of maneuvering through that. I mean... (laughs) 2020 has been a real son of a bitch.
1: Yeah, 2020 has been rough.
0: I'm kind of having to, you know, look at myself. I haven't really been shooting very much. I haven't really been surfing very much. It's been some time for some deep reflection. Yeah, it has. I don't want to say current events because this is what our life has been this whole time. It's hard to just sit back and record an episode and not say anything about it.
1: No, it would feel it would feel really disingenuous. For both of us i mean this is what we were talking about a lot and to just kind of record an episode that's absent of that seems i don't know like we're sticking our heads in the sand
0: i'm i'm reading i'm listening i'm finding ways to be a better ally i'm realizing i don't have all the answers but every day i'm trying (laughs) and i'm working on myself and i think that will never end i will say i have this shining light in my life and it's my daughter marley Uh, Right in the middle of all the anti-racism and Black Lives Matter protests, she has experienced hateful and racist comments from people. Last week, some kids she called friends made racist nicknames for a bunch of different races. They called her drugs, which applied to all Hispanic people. Where the hell do you think these kids got that from?
1: I mean, they're kids, probably parents.
0: I mean, they're not five. These kids are 12, 13 14 years old. Marley called it out right away and let them know it was Mm -hmm. racist. Uh, My 12 year old is calling her peers out and has actively been participating in protests. She's 12, (laughs) almost 13, but she's already a better human than I am. I'm learning from her that my own avoidance needs to be addressed. I am so proud of her. And have hope for her and other young leaders to do the right thing. Racism is learned. It's time to step it up, call it out, be anti-racist, be like Marley. I'm so proud of her. Marley, if you're listening, I love you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's... been really rough just to hear about.
0: Well, first of all, middle school sucks.
1: Middle school's awful.
0: I think everybody could say that middle school was basically the worst years ever. Yeah. Um, easily, and, yeah. and she's experiencing it right now, and you know I can empathize with with what she's going through. It's it's rough. Yeah. She's stronger than me. She really is. She's amazing. I'm so very proud of her. It's yeah. hard to even say without getting a sad, but it's not. <laughs> It's not sad, sad. It's happy, sad. Yeah, the resiliency
1: is is a wonderful thing to see. It's sad that this is the way you see it. Yeah. Because, of, you know, nobody should have to be subjected to, you know, racial epithets. But, you know, she she is. And it sucks.
2: Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> Eric. So. <laughs> well. Tell me what you've been up to. At least you got out for
1: a day trip, didn't you, recently? Um, yeah, I did. This was last week. Okay. It was nice to finally be able to get away. Mm-hmm. I got out to a very rural part of Washington we do day trips and was able to get out and I shot some some medium and some large format and, and you know, I've already been developing and sharing them and, you know, I don't usually have this quick of a turnaround and I think it's, I think, you know, people involved with like the, the activism and protests and all that, it's obviously, that's much more important than photography and much more important than this podcast but it is also important to, the kids are calling it self-care these days and I guess that's, that's sort of what photography is in a lot of ways to a lot of people. It's, it's actually you know, it's part of a lot of people's activism as well, and that's yes. and that's wonderful. It's just not part of mine, mm-hmm. so it's nice to be able to to kind of get a, a breather once in a while because it has been been pretty rough. You know, yeah. I'm I'm you're from LA, I'm from Seattle. Both of our cities have been going through some rough times.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: I'm not trying to sound diplomatic. It's they've been going through a lot of police brutality, mm-hmm. even during protests against police brutality both of our cities have seen increased police brutality it's kind of like if the uh, militant arm of white male fragility has exploded i mean because essentially that's what's happened (laughs) it's nice to have photography to be able to take a little bit of a break from that and i kind of wish that other people had something like this yeah be be my wish i guess of the many wishes that i have this week (laughs) that would be one of them one of the small
0: ones. (laughs) I think what I don't want is this to just go away so easily. I really hope that this like actively brings change and and people really start to not go back to normal. Like, oh, I just want things to go back to normal because I don't really think that that's that's okay. And I mean, with the COVID-19 and then with videos of police brutality and just straight murder i don't think we can go back i think we need to go forward
1: (laughs) yeah oh oh i think uh slowly we're we're dragging ourselves to being civilized human beings the media exposure and photography whether it's videography or or just regular photography i think that's really helping Mm -hmm. Uh, we're 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 showing a mirror Uh, some people have a hard time looking at that mirror like we were recently contacted by a listener who strongly disapproved of something we said in the last episode concerning protests. But the light end of that was that even this person, as right-wing and as racist as this person was in what they said, even they were able to say that in this specific case, George Floyd was innocent. And I don't know if that would have happened a couple of years ago. And mm. this is just one person and it's maybe just one person's progress, but that's a thing. And yeah. it's interesting that because of the platform that we have, we're able to witness these tiny changes in fragile white men. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, honestly, it, our, our audience is mostly white and photography, at least film photography, is a very, very white hobby.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's an important thing to remember.
0: I feel like it's important to, as a podcast and as a community, to uplift people. We're not out here calling famous photographers to chat with. We want to talk to normal people. We want to have open dialogue with people that are that just love photography. Yeah. All races, all orientations, everything, you know? And um, if you weren't aware of that before, uh, now you know.
1: I'm not sure how you would not be aware of where we stood on these issues. And I think, honestly, that's maybe a failure on our part. Maybe. Look, (laughs) we're not cool with racism.
0: Even, you know, was it your first or second issue where you talked about white white privilege and traveling and, you know, being able to travel as a white male compared to a black man being able to travel?
1: I don't know how listeners have missed that. You know, obviously, we're not solving racism. We're not. We we can't do that on our own. Uh, (laughs) But we are actively trying to let everybody know where we stand and why we stand where we stand. Mm-hmm. And I encourage other podcasts and other photographers who, you know, quote unquote, don't want to get political. You know what? Fuck it. This is more important than photography. Yeah. And if you feel it's not, bring your photography along and come on with us. <laughs> <laughs> it's important it's more important than that and you know like you were talking about before looking into yourselves and just kind of you know reckoning a bit like Mm -hmm. how we were raised and what we still believe and what we still maybe don't want to believe or maybe don't want to think but those thoughts are still there and and how I don't I didn't really want to address this but I'm going to Uh, the person who wrote us objected to saying that we are all culpable in racism Mm -hmm. and this person greatly objected to that I don't often say that people are just flat out wrong but this person is flat out wrong Uh, we can't necessarily escape that racism is taught but it's taught from before we can speak and so we're taught to be racist by our culture and our society before we even know what we're being taught so the process of unlearning that is something that happens over a course of a lifetime and a good start would be you know reading and learning and listening but also just try to stop doing damage <laughs> it's easy to say just listen to people who are already doing that but for people who maybe this is kind of a new thing to them or they haven't really been politically active or thought about it much it's just just fucking stop doing damage
0: yeah
1: I have a lot of faith in our audience oh. yeah so
0: that's how we're starting our movie night yeah
1: that's that's it um so we'll take a, a little break and be back with our answering machine
0: oh my goodness okay yeah Got it. and we're back so for This week's question, we asked listeners, how would you feel about developing someone else's work? This one was a tough one. We actually rewarded this one like At least a dozen times. Oh,
1: we spent a good hour trying to figure out the wording, and we both got pretty unhappy with (laughs) each other and the wording.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was not an easy one.
1: No. We're glad that we got the messages that we did. It was less than normal, and honestly, that was... I don't want to say nice, because we love getting all of these messages. of course. But from an editing standpoint... (laughs) It was helpful this week. Thanks, guys. (laughs) So let's go in and listen.
2: All right. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. This is Mark O'Brien, MFO Photos on Instagram, and I take it pretty seriously if I have to develop somebody else's work. I've been doing that for deceased friends' archives of uh, undone photos, or and I've done it for others, too. And so I do take it very seriously and try to do my best job at it.
0: Yeah, that's a very intense responsibility. Um, If you've heard any of Eric and I's dev parties, you probably wouldn't want to entrust us in this
1: responsibility. No, please don't. (laughs) I mean, God, Mark O'Brien wrote a literal... He called it a zine. It's a literal book on developing and shooting a low ISO film. Yeah, if there's anybody I would entrust to something like this, it's absolutely Marco O'Brien. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the film is in good hands with you.
0: Yeah, what a great gift, though, both ways. Entrusting and then also being able to share that.
2: No, 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 no. To reiterate. No, um, I prefer not to. I will if the person's just starting out, but I'd rather teach them how to develop their own stuff than do it for them, because everybody has a different look. And I just feel you get a better feel about how your photography goes if you do it yourself. And that sense of accomplishment, seeing that film come out of that tank, preferably properly developed, it's hard to describe, and anybody who's developed their own stuff gets that. So yeah, not to say I wouldn't do it, it's just that I prefer not to.
0: The way that he said it is exactly the way I say it in my mind. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep. no, 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 no.
0: you know that old saying develop someone's role and they have a role of film but teach them how to develop i don't know if this is
1: even a thing (laughs) and we've both we've both kind of done that oh yeah helping some folks we kind of teach each other how to develop certain things during mm-hmm. dev party yeah, we're I mean, kind of doing we stumble through it yeah. we've both said this with dev party we've become better developers because we've been telling people how to develop and make like, oh shit we have to do this right <laughs> <laughs> we have to be accurate about this we don't want to give people horrible information if I worked as a lab technician, that might be pretty cool. I could see all kind of photos, and
3: hopefully people would know better than to send evidence of a crime. And it'd be pretty exciting. Probably wouldn't get a lot of time to stare at each photo, but i get a general idea of what people are shooting. But recently I thought about helping somebody
0: do developing. If I had a scanner, I might. But it occurred to me, it's just too much goddamn work if I'm not a professional.
1: But what I would do is walk somebody through the process several times until they get it, and let them use all my
2: materials, that sort of thing.
1: So I guess what I'm taking away from this... Is like if you're gonna do some crimes, like get sushi and not pay for it. Don't send the pictures of that to Robert. He will apparently narc you out. Robert, I did not expect that from you at all.
0: Poor Robert, he has to deal with this all the time.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> but we promise we will make it up for you at the end of the episode. Hint, hint.
0: Oh. oh yeah.
4: Hi, it's Suzanne Lopez, and I would be
0: so nervous to develop somebody else's film i actually did help my daughter's boyfriend develop his one of his first roles but i think that i would prefer to stick to my own just in case i've never messed one up but you never know and i certainly wouldn't want it to be somebody else's
1: knock on wood (laughs) you've never messed up a role but you have just jinxed yourself sorry that's how the universe works (laughs) <laughs> be careful sorry about the next roll of film you try to develop it will not work
0: just get it over with just do like a 12 exposure
1: <laughs> but seriously i do agree with her it would be devastating for me to mess up somebody's film
0: i think i remember us talking about like developing each other's film once Mm-hmm. And I said I was gonna like open up the camera so that when you develop it, there was like nothing would come out to play like a terrible <laughs> joke. And you're like, "That's so mean."
1: That is mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please don't do that to me. <laughs> if you
0: guys think that I'm always kind and nice to Eric, I give him a lot of shit. I promise.
2: It's true. Yo, you wanna take a Martin here. <sighs> Yeah, uh, I've tried developing someone else's uh, film
1: once or twice, it's, uh, it's uh, nerve-wracking, of course, uh, usually I'm just so, yeah, I don't care if uh, the film is shit or I uh, totally screw it up, but uh, someone else's film, I don't know how they feel about it. So I I usually try to push it back. But if they really
2: want me to, then I just do it as precisely and calmly as I can. Jesus Christ. It's hard. (laughs) That's not my
1: style. But yeah, fresh chemicals and all that. Trying to do my best. And then do a proper
0: scanning. Uh, That's the worst part, I guess. (laughs) But then all the fuss is over. Okay, peace out. Have a great day. Bye. Do you enjoy scanning?
1: I do not. Here's a, here's a trick that I've learned. Don't shoot 35 millimeter and <laughs> suddenly you enjoy scanning. <laughs> I don't know what happened, but since I've, I've kind of taken a break from 35 millimeter, I've been scanning medium format and that usually is either six by nine or six by seven and large format. And wow, it is so much more enjoyable. Yeah. I really, really like it. Yeah, I do enjoy scanning. I think it would be fun since I know that he is very like careless in a fun way and, and carefree with, with film. I would like for him to develop something of mine. I think that would be kind of fun to see like what that's like. Mm-hmm. Because with me, it's just general ineptitude when I screw something up. But to have someone just like have like a, a whirlwind of chaos when they're developing like actually you're developing a role for me next week, so I guess I've already got that.
0: Oh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh man well, I'm going to try for... a new technique with yours
1: what is that?
0: <laughs> paying attention <laughs> no. so for
1: our last message, this one's a little bit longer because there's a narrative and it's a narrative we want to hear and it's a narrative that weirdly plays into what we're doing today
2: hey guys, what's up? love you, love your show first time caller, my name is Steven. Instagram, Steven Osga and I thought I'd chime in on this one because I actually worked at a one-hour photo during high school. And to answer your question about taking responsibility lightly, at first, uh, no. I was 16. I thought I knew everything about film because I think I had taken one semester of photography. But anyway, uh, one day I accidentally opened the feed lid to the negative machine and I ruined two rolls Oh, my God, I felt like crap. Uh, I knew exactly whose photos they were, which was a family that went to my church. And I knew I'd see the guy at church again, and he'd be, for, till the end of time, there's that kid that ruined my photos. So that day I was running the store by myself. Um, he came in. I had to do the apology. Um, and I did the normal free film and free processing. But after that day, I did take it seriously. You know, I thought about it. I was like, "He will never get those photos. I ruined their memories." So I did take it pretty seriously after that. So I, I watched uh, one hour photo again. I hadn't I hadn't watched it since it first came out. Um, but what a great show! I think to be successful in any business, you need to take it personal. But poor old Cy, he took it to another level. And I can't lie, our lab and I'm sure every other lab in America had what we called a book. This was a book kept in the back of the office, that when you saw something interesting, something that caught your eye, you'd make an extra copy, and you'd put it into that book. Anyways, thanks for doing what you do, (laughs) and uh, thanks for bringing back all the the good memories of my job at the old photo map. Cheers.
1: Well, if destroying a friend's roll of film is your good memories, I can't wait to hear your bad ones. (laughs) Now, that was a a really... A great story. Thank you so yeah. much for calling Thank in. Thank you that for was-
0: sharing. I yeah. love these stories. You know, I've gotten film back from labs and they say uh, like, oh, like nothing came out and it was like a black roll. I'm wondering if they fucked it up, but they just didn't want to give me the free film. <laughs> <and> the-
1: <laughs> Probably is what happened. So what do you think of the book idea? Ooh, I know. Ooh. you The mini labs and the one hour photos and all those labs are gone for the most part. Mm hmm and so now most of the people that are developing professionally they're you know developing for like serious photographers not just family stuff and mm-hmm. and so I th- those books are probably either very very different or gone completely and that's kind of a bummer
0: yeah i wonder what happened to the book when it closed unless he the, you know i don't know where he lives if he lives in a smaller town where it was able to survive but you know
1: that's something that a small town should put in like their little small town museum totally it's kind of it's kind of cool that's kind of cool i
0: mean unless it's like size wall then it's
1: kind of creepy well you know he <laughs> like how he refers to the movie poor old si <laughs> took it to another level and while that is true <laughs> he, he did take it to another level <laughs> Uh, So I guess before we get to the movie, we should probably answer these questions ourselves.
0: So I have a hard time saying no. And to be honest, I don't want to be responsible for anybody's film. It totally stresses me out. I don't mind lending a hand. I really, really love being helpful. People ask me questions all the time. I do try to make sure that they know that I am not a professional, but I will give you the best advice I can give you. If I don't know the answer, sometimes I even ask you like, hey, what about this? You know, you're really helpful, too. I think actually that's how we met. I mean, that's how we started talking a long time ago. I think I had a question for
1: you. Yeah, I'm sure I gave you some bullshit answer. Probably.
0: So, yes, I mean, I would rather teach someone how to develop, you know, than me do it for them. It's definitely going to be more helpful if they learn the process themselves, uh, because yeah. when it comes down to it, and I think I've said this to many people, like, what lab do you use? And, of course, always support labs, but if you plan on doing this and you are not rich, then you need to learn how to bulk load and you need to learn how to develop your own film.
1: Yeah, photography isn't a cheap hobby, but there are definitely ways that you can cut costs and make it a little more affordable for you. And developing your own is absolutely that. I guess conning somebody into developing your roles for you for free is also that. So, you know, if you can do it. (laughs) Joke's on me. Do it. (laughs) How about you? I guess, yeah, like you, I have a, a bit of a hard time saying no. I recently had to say no, well, sort of, I had to almost say no to somebody to make it very clear that I wasn't going to develop their role of film. I felt really awful for it, because, in on one sense, but on another sense, they helped me because I do have trouble saying no, and while I didn't explicitly say no, I basically said no. <laughs> and so I felt really empowered to just continue almost saying no to things. <laughs> So at this point in the episode, we'll generally give a guest a call and we'll talk to them about some random things here or there. But this week, it's a little different. Uh, We are giving a call to Brandy from the Film Photo Geeks podcast. We've had her on before. We've had her on before, so this isn't going to be like a normal interview. So what we're doing is she's going to help us discuss the movie One Hour Photo.
0: Well, we will be spoiling the movie, and we're going to be asking her her experience because guess what? She worked at a photo lab. She's perfect for this episode. So it's really exciting. Um, If you haven't watched the movie, maybe you should pause and watch it and then come back because we will be definitely spoiling it. So let's go. So let's give Brandy a call. Beep boop, beep boop, beep boop. Ring, ring.
2: Okay. Okay.
4: uh hello 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 hi
1: hello brandy hey what's up <laughs> hey again it is eric and vanya from all through a how's it going
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's going all right all things considered
1: yeah we heard from from you that you worked at a mini lab
4: i did yes yes yeah. i worked at a couple
1: you worked at a couple, and that is awesome.
4: Yeah, tell us, tell us which ones you worked at. Um, I worked at Walgreens One Hour Photo Lab, followed immediately by Wolf Camera Photo Lab. I think some people might know it as Ritz Picks. Okay. And then later on, a semi One Hour Lab called Camera Gallery, uh, local to Tulsa.
1: It's semi uh, in what way?
4: Well, it was a little bit more professional in that it catered to a lot of the, the senior photographers and the major uh, portrait studios. Oh, okay.
1: What was your job there?
4: Um, which one?
1: <laughs> mm, the, well, I mean, since we're, we're talking about the movie One Hour Photo. Yes. So uh, the one that was most like that, I guess, probably the Walgreens one.
4: I'm 40 now, and it's been really way too long, so I can't remember the exact title, but it was probably like something akin to uh, Associate or Photo Lab Associate, okay. something like that. Okay. Because um, when I first started Walgreens, I was technically too young to work the photo lab. You had to be 18 oh. because chemicals
1: were there. Oh, sure, sure. There.
4: So I started Walgreens when I was 17, and then after my birthday, I was like, hey, I'm 18, now can I work there? Um, and they're like, yeah, sure.
1: What was your job like?
4: There were certain aspects of it that I really actually enjoyed and I still kind of like think about to this day. Oh. And then there were other parts, probably the more like drug story parts that were not because we weren't just in the photo lab. We were also supposed to be out on the floor straightening things and helping people with things. But if somebody did need help, then we go hang out in the photo lab and develop the roles and, you know, all that good stuff. So it probably 75% photo lab work and about 25% drugstore work.
1: Okay.
4: At Walgreens um, at Wolf camera clearly.
1: Yeah, it was
4: 100% photo lab work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you were kind of stuck in the back of the photo lab.
4: Well, it wasn't really the back. We weren't hidden by any means. Okay. Like we, weren't, <laughs> we weren't ashamed of us or anything like that. It was just like they would have they would have rathered somebody else sold camera gear At Camera Gallery, we did process film, but then we also created negatives from old photos. They did um, photo restoration in house. They did have a darkroom that you could hand develop black and white rolls. There were certain things that they uh, would let you do as a lab tech, and there were certain things that they wouldn't let you do. It just depended on like if you could prove your knowledge of something because these these were like more important things that came through that lab. They just they wanted to make sure that they were offering their customers a quality product. So sure,
1: did the Walgreens photo lab care a lot about the quality product? Was that like a big thing? or was it just cranking them out
4: from a personal point of view yes. i think it depended on who was in there okay um, later as a customer i could tell which people cared and which people didn't
1: <laughs> <laughs> was there somebody there who was very much like Sai, who would like calibrate the machine and was like really intense about you know the the work
4: so we weren't allowed to do that Oh, okay. This was a lot of a lot of what he did or he was allowed to do or he was responsible for wasn't what we were allowed to do. So, we didn't calibrate the machine, we didn't change the chemicals okay. like in the way that he did. OSHA wouldn't let us. I think because either they knew it was a mixture of children working the lab slash people who didn't like so that like I guess they just kind of thought well we don't want to take any chances so none of you are allowed to do this and honestly I don't think anybody could tell if there was like a negative three cyan shift somewhere (laughs) happening in there (laughs) (laughs) so now later on wolf camera and camera gallery their machines you could control a little bit more of the um, color correction yeah their machines were more advanced only certain people could work those machines okay um you had to pass an internal test in order to do that okay those ones those ones i think they would be able to tell somebody always stood at the machine and like mess with the buttons to (laughs) make sure it was color corrected
1: (laughs) now we heard from one of our our listeners who used to work in a lab when he was 16 that his lab had a book that they kept in the back of all of the kind of the weird and the bizarre pictures they saw something and they just they just printed another copy and uh-huh. put it in this book did your labs have any of that
4: why weren't you talking to him <laughs> that sounds much more interesting like i kept trying to think i'm like was there any weird shit that we i mean i saw some weird shit but like there wasn't an official book if somebody kept anything like it was on the dl and like yeah <laughs> the, like they didn't you know keep it in the back for other people they just maybe took it home themselves without telling anybody or like <laughs> sharing it with one of the other employees if they thought one of the other employees would get a kick out of it I feel like there wasn't an official like weirdo book
2: yeah in the back. <clears throat>
0: So let's get like to some of the customers like so the movie has a quick montage scene featuring a few stereotypical customers so it has like the cat lady, the insurance adjuster, new parents and the porn guy. Did you have any of those types of experiences where like there were there was like a certain person that would come in all the time?
4: Um I had two, one of them was a completely normal person and the other one was Somebody that everybody gossiped about in the back. So the the completely normal person was at Walgreens. She was the mother of two of our lab techs, actually. But I always enjoyed helping her so much. And even when she brought in things that annoyed the fuck out of me, I was still like, this is okay, because you're nice (laughs) and I heart you, so... (laughs) <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I'll just kind of politely remind you not to do these things to your film. Please don't do this because it makes my job harder. That kind of thing. What would she do? So when you reprint from a negative in those old timey machines, if it's less than four frames long, I don't know if you've ever like had that film developed. They cut them in four frames. Generally, yeah. it's difficult to feed it through the rollers. If it's less than three, two or less, it's a pain in the fucking ass. So like, sometimes people would bring in one frame one frame negative. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This is going to take me forever. You would have to tape it to a dummy strip Oh yeah, yeah, to feed it through there properly to allow it. And then like sometimes it wouldn't even stop where it should. So you would have to like push these little buttons that would just kind of inch it in and inch <laughs> it over. And you're like getting it in the middle. And it takes like, like I said, way longer than it should. Oh, so what, what about the weird guy? I want to hear about the weird guy. At Wolf Camera, where that particular location was was in a little bit more of an affluent mm-hmm. uh, neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And there was a woman who was pretty well off who used to bring in like once a week photographs of her newborns. And I'm sure it's different when you have your own kids. I'm, I'm sure it is. But like these were some fugly kids, man. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just like, please God, let them because they grow into their looks, please. Because she's printing them like off the, their trophies, and like I said, I'm sure it's different when they're yours. So um, please, people, don't come eviscerate me. I don't have any kids of my own. So I, I don't know what that feels like, but you have to know sometimes that, like, oh, newborns aren't universally beautiful sometimes,
0: so it's just... Usually newborns are not cute anyway. <laughs> They're just like... Ah.
4: I can't. Um, <laughs> I think this was actually covered, kind of, in the movie, where they were, like, the things that you weren't allowed to print, Yes. The only two things that, that they were like super duper hardcore on was like no kitty porn and no penetration. And so wow. while we didn't have a lot of those amateur porn people bring stuff in, uh, there would be one or two like suicide girls type of oh, uh, right. yeah. thing that would, uh, yeah. that would come through. But it was never like anything crazy. I, one time there was a <laughs> very questionable like could this be kitty porn? I don't know. It's towing the line a little too much. So we printed them and we had to hold them in the back and call the authorities. And we could give the film back, but we weren't allowed to give the prints back. Oh, okay. They, they were held for evidence or something. Actually that happened twice, once at Walgreens and once at Wolf Camera, two completely different people. And then one time this guy came in to Wolf Camera and said, uh, what are you not allowed to print? Like he asked specifically, what are you not allowed to print? And we said, "Kitty porn or penetration. Um, And he was like, okay, cool. And so he left and he comes back a couple hours later with a disposable camera and we processed it and started printing everything. And it looked normal until the very last frame where it looked like he was photographing some girl giving him a BJ. So, (laughs) like, we just, I don't, honestly, I don't know what happened to that print. I don't know if anybody kept it or if we threw it away. I cannot remember, but I do remember we put all of his prints, except for that one, all of his prints in his envelope and his negatives together. And, like, he came to pick up his film and we gave it to him and nobody said anything and we didn't hear from him again. (laughs) So, I don't know if that was, like, a test or if he was waiting for us to, like, get in on the joke with him or like what he was expecting but like nobody said anything about it
1: so in the movie Sai <laughs> takes his job really seriously there's actually a clip i want to play
3: i've seen the prints they fob off on people at the rex hall of fotech milky washed out prints too dark prints there's no sense of reverence for the service they're providing for people I process these photos as if they were my own.
1: So he's obviously really into the whole reverence thing. Did you have that kind of feeling? I mean, you were a lot younger, but was there that sort of reverence there at at all?
4: God, I know this isn't part of the question, but can we just take a moment to just observe the fact that Robin Williams has the most soothing monotone voice when he's being serious? (laughs) He does, yeah. God, did I have a reverence? I have, in general, I think I have a decent work ethic. So on that level, I absolutely wanted to make sure that I was doing the best job that I could for the people that came in while I was there. Absolutely. Um, As for the quality of work, I'm, I'm only as good as the instruments I'm provided. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I,
4: I I truly did, in in my opinion, I I truly did do the best job that I I absolutely could. Only I don't ever want to be the reason that somebody has a bad experience or a, a badly. You're paying for something, so you're investing in it. No matter how silly or stupid it is, that's money that you worked for in yeah. some way. So going into something I want to make sure that that something is worth it so i guess
1: we'll move into the movie like proper uh we kind of oh, been okay. hitting hinting around at it so for those who are listening and haven't seen it uh we've warned you before but now is your last warning <laughs> so the synopsis is from imdb a department store photo clerk seymour Sy parish is exceptionally knowledgeable about photography and has been developing photos for the yorkin family since their son was a baby However, Sai also lives a very solitary and lonely life with no wife, girlfriend, or family in the picture. And Sai begins to develop a disturbing obsession with the Yorkins and what they have, and when he is fired for theft, he goes over the top. Having discovered a disturbing secret about Mr. Yorkin, he exacts angry revenge in a chilling manner. I, I guess so. I guess it's good enough.
4: I don't know if misnomer is the right word. Like he doesn't begin to develop an obsession, he basically is obsessed.
1: Yes, yeah, from the beginning of the movie and you could tell yeah. it was for, for years obsessed with this family.
4: Yeah, and revenge sounds like such a weird word for what he does, but it kind of is, I guess. I it's a very loose, yeah. loose, loose, loose definition of revenge. I
1: think, yeah, I'm <laughs> not sure I would even use the word revenge. But yeah, I yeah. guess it could be. So a fun fact, this is the this is the director Mark Romanek's first movie. Prior to this, he did mostly music videos. He did Nine Inch Nails, Closer. Uh, he did some stuff for Fiona Apple. He did some Bowie. Uh, he just did a lot of really interesting visual type of, of um, music videos. And it really, I think, shows here.
4: I can see that, like not not necessarily being familiar with nine inch nails videos or anything else, but I you mentioned Fiona Apple and I can see a lot of criminal in there. I did see yeah. I did see some of that, mostly just like with the pure saturation in certain elements and like some of the compositions for sure.
1: He also did Johnny Cash's uh, "Hurt," but that yes. involves photography as well. As a picture after June mm. died, and there's a picture of June on the table. It's a fucking heartbreaking
3: video. Yeah. Family photos depict smiling faces, births, weddings, holidays, children's birthday parties. People take pictures of the happy moments in their lives. Someone looking through our photo album would conclude that we had led a joyous, leisurely existence. Free of tragedy. No one ever takes a photograph of something they want to forget.
1: We're going to go back to this quote uh, in a little bit, but I want to kind of keep this in mind as we're kind of going through it. That's how the story is being set. It's a happy beginning a happy beginning it doesn't there's no darkness at all to this to this quote i mean there's it hints that people would maybe wrongly conclude we have a happy and leisurely existence but it's really a a light quote
0: everything that that is is like what facebook and instagram is now for most people there's like niches of like certain types of people on instagram but for the most part like that's what like facebook is that now
1: instead of photo albums
4: yeah yeah The way that he is speaking is the way that I want to be taught.
1: Okay. It is
4: a very soothing and neutral tone. Okay. That has conviction and substance. It's neither good nor bad, but it's very resolute in its message. So depending on how you're coming at it, it could be seen as sinister or happy. But okay. because it's so neutral, it kind of leaves it up to you. Well, I mean, it's, I, I feel like it
0: sets the stage because you're looking at these family. Like, they're showing the birthday party and the pictures being taken at the birthday party. And then he's explaining this. And he's like, no one's showing the bad moments, only the good
1: moments. Yeah, And he's totally eating that up. I mean, that's, that's really his thing. He's, he's telling us what he's doing. To the Yorkin yep. family. Mm-hmm. So the the movie basically has three settings. You got the store, you got the family home, and you have size apartment.
4: Okay, yes.
1: The store and size apartment are kind of the exact same.
0: Yeah, sterile, blue light. It
1: has a very tungsten look. Mm-hmm. And uh, size wardrobe is very much based on the store. <laughs> it's very light blue, very, very dismal, and, and almost gray.
4: Mm-hmm. He has a very serial killer, sociopathic look to him right off the bat. He does. Mm-hmm. Yes, Robin
0: Williams like hated his wardrobe.
1: He like, hated like, his wardrobe. Hated it. Yeah, he wanted to to burn it. He he hated his wardrobe so much. In interviews, Robin Williams called the store a surreal abundance. There was just, I mean, it was it really was. I mean, stores don't look like this. You mm-hmm. know, it was very everything was faced. I mean, store managers wish stores looked like this.
4: We were tasked with doing that. Oh, I was a facer as well. But
1: it it doesn't, you can never get it this perfect. This is a perfect sterile place to the point where it it doesn't even seem real. It it is. It's a surreal abundance situation. The other side of that is the family home, the Orkin home, which is like earth tones and exposed wood grain. It's very warm. It's the the opposite of size world.
0: Windows everywhere, like out to nature, green coming in, you know, yeah completely different
1: (laughs) so you'd think that size apartment would be maybe like kind of a cross between the store and the york and home but it really is just like an extension of the store you've got the same lighting the same that same stark white and blue everything is empty yeah you know it's in in a way it's opposite of the store where there's empty shelves but
0: yeah nothing you could see it in the background just completely like you have all these like wonderful bookshelves and things and just completely nothing and then you turn around and there's that crazy gala <laughs> glo- it looked like my room like when i was like 13
4: <laughs> mine wasn't that st- i tried but my shit was always crooked so like that's <laughs> way more pristine than anything i ever had
1: it's everything's pretty much clutter free but when he lays down a photo on his coffee table there is a fortune cookie and the fortune cookie reads somebody wants you to be happy and he saved that fortune cookie, and that's that's a sad fortune cookie to, to get. I mean, you'd think it's like a happy thing because it kind of echoes another quote in the movie, but, yeah. but
0: well, they definitely play on that because they yeah. talk. They have a conversation where the kid talks about Psy and that he's sad for him. Yeah, but
4: it's not a sad thing until the very end yeah. when Robin Williams is pleading his case. Because I wasn't thinking that was. His, I mean, I don't like. I, still... I thought that it like like what uh, you know Vanya said like it echoes what the kid was saying or you know the kid is echoing that so I'm like that's that's really sweet that the kid is thinking of him and I think it's a sweet thought you know somebody does want him to be happy mm-hmm. but like it's not until the very very end when you realize that that's probably never going to happen probably mm-hmm. well me personally that's yeah. when it 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 would it would hit me that it was sad. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I guess it would be a good time. Now, the the original cut of the movie started with a different opening and a different voiceover, and the visual was a photo of from maybe the '60s of a mother and a father older and a blonde child, presumably Sai. They was taken with a flash, so all of their eyes were red. This is the uh,
3: voiceover that, that was given to it. <laughs> The red eye effect in a photograph is the result of light rays from a camera's flash or any other bright light source entering your dilated pupil and reflecting back the color red from the epithelial layer of your retina. This layer in our human eye is similar to the tapetum in nocturnal animals. This tissue doubles the amount of light entering the eye and helps the animal to maneuver and hunt by night. So when we see this red-eye effect in photographs of our family or of ourselves, it always jolts us. It seems a kind of warning, a kind of unwanted reminder of something, and it's often the only truthful detail in the average family snapshot.
4: Oh yeah, that's much more sinister.
0: Yeah, m- more telling of Sai and maybe his background.
4: I was going to say more telling of the movie in general.
1: I think so. I mean, you start with the actual release and being in the interrogation room and being, you know, obviously arrested for something. Yeah. You know, it's it's not going well for him. But this is such a darker beginning without saying anything at all. Definitely, I think it really sets up Sai, and I would have been. In some ways, I like that a little bit better. I,
0: I- know, and I don't. <laughs> I don't. I agree with Fania. I don't at
4: all. It, I
0: like to see the spiral.
4: <laughs> it's, it's not that. It's more like, remember how I mentioned earlier? Like the opening monologue that is there is so neutral. Yeah. This one is not. No, yeah. it's not. So it, it doesn't leave any room for interpretation or the viewer to come into it with however they're feeling. Mm-hmm. There's like little to no room. It's already, you're like, this is fucking sinister and I'm okay. I know what I'm in for. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I can see that. I just, I don't know. I thought there was something about it that was so creepy and perfect that it, it, I wish it would have went somewhere.
0: After hearing that, I can see why they wanted to use it and why they pulled it. Yeah. Obviously, if it's showing a negative picture of a family with a blonde, small child that is presumably psi, yeah, it makes sense that he would say something like that.
1: Yeah. And then the ending in the back in the interrogation room makes a lot of it makes a connection. To the beginning yes. of the movie, and, it, and you don't have that in the in the final print, and I, I think that's a little missing.
4: You don't want to reveal too much. Don't give no. a, don't give it all away but you, like that. You do
1: give it yeah. away because he's in he's he's arrested.
4: Well, no, I, but like they don't know why yet. Yeah, they don't.
1: No, and you don't know why yet. Yeah, you still don't know. But you but you don't know why this is even being mentioned. You don't know if he he's the predator or if someone not related to him is the predator. You just. You don't know, it just sets up a dark Mm, tone.
4: mm. I feel like it gives away too much too early. Okay. So
0: I went down a hole trying to figure out what kind of camera it was that they use for the mugshot. Polaroid Macro 5 SLR. Yes, and it
1: has the red button. It does. I went back and I checked that for you. Oh my
0: God. So is that for sure the Macro 5 then?
1: I believe it was, yeah.
3: Most people don't take snapshots of the little things. The used band aid, the guy at the gas station, the wasp on the jello. But these are the things that make up the true picture of our lives. People don't take pictures of these things. We do now.
4: I was about to say, I'm like, you go on any <laughs> Instagram influencers page and they're all about that.
1: We didn't, I mean, he's right. We didn't take pictures of those things.
0: I, I was going to talk about my aunt actually yeah. so my aunt was the cat lady um and when my grandmother passed away she gave me a huge tupperware of um uh, negatives and prints and she's like these are all my photographs that are like not in albums if you want to go through them and find pictures of grandma i was like okay cool easy i'll only have to go through a few i'm sure Uh, So I opened them up. Most of them were Costco and most of them were Panorama. And they were 99% cats. Um, My aunt aunt always had cats. She had so many pictures of her cats and doubles. So not only Panorama, but also doubles. (laughs) It was just like going through them like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) Jimena.
1: (laughs) It's all cats, it's so crazy.
4: My dad took photographs of Kung Fu, I don't want to say conventions, presentations.
1: Okay, but still a thing though. I mean, it's like, the, he was the Kung Fu guy at the, at the photo lab. <laughs> so so someone, is, someone is somewhere, this guy used to bring in all these photos of just Kung Fu. I don't <laughs> know what was going on there.
4: No, my dad was the guy that took pictures of events and brought them to the photo lab so that people could tell him how cool his photos were and they would hire him to photograph their events. <laughs> That's what he wanted, it never happened, but that's what he wanted. (laughs) So he was that guy. And he would take his concert photos to the local music store guys to show him. What do you think? What do you (laughs) think? What do you think? That's That's so rad. rad. (sighs) He's silly.
3: When we say we remember an experience from our childhood, do we really remember it? Or do we remember what the picture of it looks like in our photo albums? Would we forget it if we didn't have a picture to remind us? Are we afraid that when we're old and senile, our memories will desert us? And we'll be left with nothing.
0: So there is a sequence, um, a couple sequence pictures of me as a very, very small child, which I've always thought was a memory. Um, it feels like a dream. Like, you know, when you're super, you're super young memories. For me, they feel like it was like a dream happening. Like I was like inside myself, but not really myself. I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but that's what it feels like. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's a memory, but there's photo proof of it in one of my mom's photo albums. And of course it's a trauma, but not like. A major trauma just in my mind from what I remember. I was walking by a plant and when I turned around to walk back it was a scary monster. So I started crying and was upset because it was going to get me <laughs> and my mom had six kids. So she split up all the pictures, and I got some of those. Because, of course, when your child is crying, you're going to take a bunch of pictures of her, right?
1: (laughs) This seems to be a theme in your family.
0: Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, did I remember that? Or did I see that when I was, like, 11 years old? And then go, oh, yeah, like, I don't know. But again, you know, my mom photographed that moment. That is that normal? Because I remember walking past it and it was a plant. But then when I turned back around, it was like (laughs) brighter green, like neon. And it was like, like, it was scary. (laughs) So I don't know if we answered that for you, uh, Eric. (laughs) What was the
2: question?
1: (laughs) Social media has really changed the way that we take photos and the way that we share photos. Obviously, the way that we share photos. Everybody yes. can see our photos now, whereas before it was just mostly family, friends, things like that.
4: I think digital changed the way that we take photos. Okay. Instagram and social media changed the way that we share them or what we share. Well, more like you didn't want to like take a picture of what you were eating that day and show it to your friend the next day. I don't remember ever doing that. But like yeah. people are, oh, ready to do it all over Instagram. Mm-hmm. What we think is important or what we think other people will think is important. Which is
1: different than what we thought was important when we had photo albums, because our audience is different. The audience Mm -hmm. we had then was the kids or grandma.
4: Like, you're not going to, if you have a photo album, you're not going to put a whole bunch of pictures that you've posted on Instagram in there. All done. Disposable cameras are fun, although it does seem wasteful and you don't ever get to see your pictures. If it's an important event that you want to remember, I recommend using a real camera, but... I don't care if I forget today.
0: Yes. uh, I I liked how Sai opened his because he opens it like me. The funny thing is I was really excited to see what kind of little like, because I've never seen the tool that opens disposable cameras. So I was like, oh my God, he's going to go in the back and he's going to open it. And then he goes back there and smashes it. And I was like, Yep.
4: (laughs) Oh my God! There was a tool. We were never given a tool. There wasn't a tool. We had a flathead screwdriver, and we just popped that shit open. We were told (laughs) to save the batteries, pull out the roll, recycle the shell. That was it. That was the most fun thing, too. By the way, I loved taking apart disposable cameras. I got really happy when people like brought those in. (laughs) It was the best oh my goodness it was the little things you gotta have hobbies
1: yeah
0: <laughs> i have like a small hammer and i just like like to hit stuff with it so that's what i use and it's satisfying so i don't know i resonated with that scene <laughs> <laughs> can we take a step back and yeah i just want to mention when he's sitting down in the red light how many chemicals like because you know that's not what
4: I was a one-hour
0: photo. Yeah. Looks no, like in there, none
4: of my one-hour photo labs looks like that. I was not like, "Dang, lo- dude, look at all these cams. Yeah. <laughs> they did not have them chilling or freestanding anywhere. But
1: it did look nice, and it, and it matched the store. Everything was faced forward. Everything Ooh. was perfect. And if Cy were going to be running a photo lab, it's believable that that's how he would run it. Very yes. perfect. Mm -hmm. And about Psy, when the director was explaining the character to Robin Williams, he showed Robin a photo of a mother and a small child embracing as they showered outside. And it was like an incredibly loving and innocent photo, really a touching and moving photo. According to an interview with Robin, uh, he says, this is everything that Psy never had. Mm -hmm. And that was his introduction to the character. Like, here's a beautiful photo of a, a mother and a child together experiencing just a a wonderful bonding moment and you never had that so you know what it is because you see it in photos all the photos that you develop you see that you see that every day you Mm -hmm. see what people have
4: I think there's a deeper level to that, though. It's not just, this is what you never had, but not only did he not have that, he's, he had some kind of twisted childhood that they don't really go into.
1: These photos that he sees every day are taunting and have got to be wearing on him.
3: And if these pictures have anything important to say to future generations, it's this. I was here. I existed. I was young, I was happy, and someone cared enough about me in this world to take my picture.
1: I love that. (laughs) So, in the movie, Sai's picture is taken twice Mm -hmm. once by Sai, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and once by a mugshot. (laughs) Yeah. That's everything we need to know about Sai.
4: Yeah.
1: Right there is that he's saying this, he knows this.
4: Well, it makes you kind of think about that a little bit, considering how he explains his picture was taken when he was a child. Yeah. So it makes you wonder. I'm like, okay, well, what was going on in his mind as that was happening? As his father was taking those photographs? Because if he's gotten to that point where he's like, somebody cared enough about me to take my photograph, what was... That act telling him when he was younger. That kind of brings it back to like, why was he
0: interested um, in working in a photo lab to begin with? And I think it was to protect and, and make sure that that wasn't happening to anybody else,
1: really. I think this quote, I think it rings true to us. We're of a certain age, roughly, r- roughly all around the same age. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is as true anymore. We didn't take selfies anywhere near the amount that we do now. It just wasn't a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, almost it's almost
1: everybody now it's that's a, that's a very common and accepted thing too we have sticks made specifically for that yeah. we didn't have it we had self-timers but they were for clicking the button and running to get in, in, in the picture with your family
0: i can never get comfortable with that i live in los angeles so it's like it, it's amplified so much here some of the stuff that i see sometimes is just insane and i'm like dude, I would, I would be so embarrassed. Like, I could not do that. And people just don't give a shit. They're just like, I'm going to make my boyfriend or whoever take 35 pictures. I'm going to take the phone. I'm going to look and check them. And then I'm going to have you do it again until I get the one that I want.
1: Um, uh. So I guess, is there anything else we want to say like overall about the movie itself?
0: I think that... We were talking about that that scary nightmare where he he opens his eyes and it's like blood, but then once it starts like gushing out of his eye eyes, to me that looks like C41. It has like a brownish.
4: Mm-hmm. It looked like chemicals. Yeah, yeah,
1: it it does. It does. I, I didn't buy it at first, and then I look. I, I watched it again. I'm like,
4: okay, maybe. A little too brown to yeah. be blood.
1: know. Oh, it looks like my crusty dev. <laughs> after you know, after I've, I've kept it in the tanks for far too long.
0: My crusty Dev. <laughs> Great band name.
1: So would you recommend the movie? I would. Would you watch I would. it again?
0: Yes, I, I have to. I have the Blu-ray now.
1: So, Brandy, <laughs> would you recommend the
4: movie? Yes.
1: <laughs> so you would recommend it.
2: Okay.
4: Um, yes. But with some caveats.
1: Okay, and those would be?
4: Um, It's creepy, but it's not creepy. Um, I did have to tell Ray because he started to lean toward the, I'm going to leave now. Mm. I did have to promise him that Robin Williams was not going to kill anybody um, because you do kind of like mm, worry about that at some point in the movie that somebody is going to die.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, Especially at the hands of an incredibly beloved actor. And he just didn't want Robin Williams ruined for him. That makes sense. I would as well. I don't, um,
1: probably no caveats. I think it's a movie that people of a certain age, I think will really relate to because they can Mm. really connect to the whole one hour photo thing. Yeah. But Mm. I think photographers in general, would probably at least get a kick out of it for like the old tech, old tech now, which is,
4: I mean, you have to watch it the way that you watch many photography movies, which is like, this is not 100% accurate. Yeah. So
1: (laughs) that's true. Uh, So I guess for our final question, and it's the question that we will be asking our listeners for the answering machine.
0: Yes. If we died today, what would people say about our lives through the photos we left behind?
4: I feel like this is a therapy question for me because uh, I actually struggle with that a lot. Okay. (laughs) One of my deepest fears is dying and not being remembered. So if there's a very thin amount of photographic evidence of me, I feel like there's less of me to remember. So I I don't know what could be said about me if, if I leave, if there's not a lot of evidence that I was here.
1: What about the photos you've taken?
4: I think people see your photographs differently than you do. So I don't know what anybody else would think about my photographs without descriptions because when you're gone, there's nobody to describe the thought process behind that. I honestly don't know. Because there's things that I would like to get across in the photo, but without explaining it, I don't know if it's always apparent.
1: And that's important to you?
4: Sometimes. Okay. Sometimes not. I don't know. I think it depends on what I'm photographing. Fair Mm. enough. Yeah. That makes sense. You know how sometimes you can look at somebody's photographs and you can be like, I think I know what they're saying. Or you can see a kind of theme, even if the photographs that they were taking happened at different times for different reasons. Like you can kind of see that photographer's language in a way. Yeah. I don't, I don't always feel like mine do. (laughs) So I don't know if I come off as one person or like somebody with multiple personality disorder.
1: (laughs) So. Well, I think your photos are very varied and, I think that's a good thing. I don't know if it'd be multiple personality, but at least multiple ways that you express yourself through photography.
4: I have very little focus. So they're all. (laughs) (laughs) Again, sorry. My therapy appointment is in like two weeks. So (laughs) y'all get it today. (laughs) (laughs) What was the question? (laughs) You you answered it.
1: You 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 definitely answered it. You definitely answered it.
4: (laughs) This has been really fun, y'all.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But we do appreciate that you uh, did it for us. Thank you. Yeah,
0: it was. It was really cool. All
1: right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And
0: uh, talk to you soon, I hope.
4: Okay, bye. (laughs) bye -bye. (laughs)
2: Bye-bye.
1: Every episode, we try to do some zine reviews. Vanya and I have been into zines for forever and photography has kind of gotten kind of gotten a bit of addiction so, so we got, we've got one zine to cover this episode
0: it is drunken hong kong by robert burton but you might know him as el gato magnifico it is 46 pages uh it's 60 images in co- mostly color but there are some black and white he writes uh enjoy a vision of hong kong just one year ago before protests over the extradition bill before the pandemic, before the end of one country, two systems that's threatening to happen right now,
1: 29 years ahead of schedule. So, we both got a copy of this and I'm yes. it's it's rare that we both get copies of a zine. I know. It's, it's kind of cool. So, let's take a look at it.
0: Yeah, the color is just super duper vibrant and he only shot two two emulsions, Kodak Portra 800 and Ultrafine Extreme 400
1: and we are fans. <laughs> yeah, um, it's he's shooting Portra 800 mostly at night. I think all all at night. Mm-hmm. And it does not have that same washed out portrait look to it Look that a lot of people like and i personally don't (laughs) i really love the look that he got out of this emulsion yeah maybe it's a a portrait night thing but it reminds me of his name on instagram is dv over dt it's tim it reminds me of the shots that he takes of neon with with slide film it Mm -hmm. it has that same vibrancy to it
0: so he brought one camera and
1: this is basically his trip to Hong Kong. It feels
0: fast to me in a way where I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, like my eyeballs are kind of like bouncing around each page." Um yeah. I feel like I'm on this trip with him, going, you know, from scene to scene, experiencing it in the way that he was experiencing it.
1: Yeah. Isn't it seems like a very chaotic experience. The, the the photos are crooked. The photos are are shot seemingly from the hip. I mean, they're all well framed. It's it's not a composition thing that I'm talking about so much. It's not a problem. It really defines the zine and I I guess the trip.
0: I can see the intention and the thought process when making the zine. Some pages have double exposures and then some, like one of my favorite is the red bike with the basket. It's so rich in color even though there's not there's almost an absence of color it is extremely rich in color and i i really love that page a lot
1: that's a triptych that he made there oh look at
0: you with your fancy words
1: it's a fancy word for a fancy zine
0: he even takes a self-portrait and uh, looks like an elevator it's kind of
1: cool (laughs) that's
0: kind of cool we follow a lot of photographers a lot of people don't take pictures of themselves they're taking pictures of scenes and such. so when you do actually get a glimpse of someone you're like oh okay Oh, yeah they
1: are a person that's neat
3: they're real They're
0: real
1: <laughs> i don't know if the zine moves in chronological order but it really has that feel to it like it starts at night and you're going through hong kong at night going through alleyways you're you're up on top of parking garages or something you're in playgrounds you're in markets and then you're you're at a bus terminal then you're on a plane and then then it stops and you're hit with two black and white photos of cranes and a snail. I mean, literally stops.
0: Yeah, it is. It kind of goes from like a very vibrant, like colorful nightlife to just like okay, let's take a break for a second, and kind of almost like a palate cleanser. Yeah,
1: the <laughs> page with the next page being another triptych with planes flying over cranes. So you got the combination there, and in and in the middle you have a. a another night shot of the skyscraper looking up it's striking it's really out of the blue Mm -hmm. then we're all black and white here for for quite some time practically we we know what happened he he shot he shot one roll to a completion and then he loaded another roll but (laughs) i think it really works for the zine little things just happen sometimes and just work so well for your for your finished uh, production
0: there's a couple more triptychs and there is one in particular Mm -hmm. where you see people walking in a street market they're wearing Wearing like rain gear of some sort. And then you see the pigeons in the middle. So it's like every single one of these pictures shows movement without actual movement. And I really, really like that a lot. You can tell that it was like the pigeons are doing. Well, how do I?
1: The pigeons uh, are doing pigeon things?
0: Pigeons doing pigeon things. (laughs) Um, It's not a sharp photo. And I really like it. Yeah. I'm glad he put it in there. I think I needed, it needed to be where it needed to be. Yeah.
1: That's why. I mean, you can tell like a lot of this is basically chronological, but the order in which he's placed these photos, it works. He really has Mm -hmm. an eye for that. Also, we're big Ultrafine fans. And this shows why, I think. Oh, absolutely.
0: He shot this with a K1000.
1: Hopefully he remembers the lens cap and doesn't run the battery down.
0: (laughs) I'm sure he brought extra batteries. I hope
1: so. Because that camera is such a pain in the ass sometimes. (laughs) But I love it. It feels like home.
0: I like the way that he is shooting these scenes, too, as an outsider looking in. Because, you know, you can look at, like, someone that is a photographer from Hong Kong and how they would shoot something compared to someone that is just experiencing this for the... If it's his first time there or second time, you know, it it would be interesting to see how he would shoot it the next time if he would shoot it the same. Yeah. And... Also, I wonder how long he was there for. Because
1: this really gives the impression of a night, a flight on an airplane, and then another night. Mm-hmm. And it's really the impression you got with it. I don't know if it was. It can't be just like a weekend. Is
0: this his first scene? That he's made?
1: If he's starting from here, I can't wait to see the next, to be honest. Uh, He did the small one that he also sent us that was with the, I think, his his cell phone of Frogs, which is a cute little zine. It's a really adorable zine. It's not film, so we're not not covering it. But if you're there buying this one, pick that one up too, because it's really adorable.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's called Greenhouse Friends. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's really an adorable (laughs) zine. So where can we pick this up? Because you should.
0: He has an Etsy shop, it's called Senior Meow art photo so obs we approve we do we do approve,
1: <laughs> we approve
0: um he does have an etsy link on his instagram so if you go to el gato magnifico you'll find it
1: <laughs> um i don't like picking i don't like picking favorites and every zine that i look at is my favorite zine at the time but this is <laughs> one of the best scenes. This is one of the best film photography zines I've ever seen.
0: I think he used
1: Mixam. Believe so. And I don't
0: really know if we like mentioned that as often as we should, but it's a great affordable way to make
1: these scenes happen. Yeah, because I do most of my printing through Mixam.
0: I wonder how that happened. Was that who who told you about that? I can't remember.
1: I don't remember.
0: Are you kidding me? <laughs>
1: Yes, it was. Um, but you yeah. have
0: to force credit out of them. <laughs> That's not true. I
1: credit you so much for so many things, and yes, Sam know, is I'm one of them. I
0: know. i around. I think what happened was he ordered everything right with this. Yes. I think that the um, the satin with the the dark night f- photography kind of it just works really well together. This is a really nice nice one.
1: It's great. I'm a little jealous. So thank you, Robert. Yes, thank you. <laughs> So do we want to talk about 6x7? Okay, let's talk about it. Okay, Um, We've mentioned here and there very small hints of something we've been working on for the past... Before we even started the podcast, we decided that we were going to do this zine. That might be true, yeah. So going on a year, (laughs) it is a zine that we've called 6x7, and it is a 65-ish page zine of our work. We actually stopped working on it to do the zine Fuck Yeah We Do. But this is a zine mm-hmm. that is a little different than what we've done before. It's all photos taken with the Mamiya RB67. And we really tried to kind of dig into what makes the photos that we take similar. Yeah. We have very different shooting styles and very different photos that come from it. We started noticing that there's similar threads that we capture. And that really kind of got us thinking, like, you know, these photos kind of work together.
0: Even if it's like, you know, juxtaposition.
1: Well, yeah, even that. But I mean, even in, in a lot of cases, it's just not that. It's just like, well, we, we kind of we kind of took very similar photos here. We have We have a similar eye in some ways. Like right now, mm-hmm. I'm looking at one of. A road that
0: zigzags. Yeah,
1: with two zigzagging roads that we were...
0: Mine zigged and yours zagged. The
1: photos remain very much ours. My photos are desolate and they're of abandoned places. Hers are...
0: Maybe not. I mean, it's not like I'm really shooting some street scenes or anything. So fairly abandoned, lonely. I guess you're just like seeing me... And trying to kind of grow my photography, really, is what you see.
1: It doesn't really have the appearance of somebody just cutting their chops on photography. I'm sorry, your your photos that we are using here are they're really, oh, thank they're you. Really good. We wouldn't use them if they weren't. Every photo, you can still tell who took the photo.
0: I think so or have you seen me shoot and how i shoot things yeah and i see you and you know i've incorporated some really great advice from you
1: and i from you
0: i think both of us the scene is kind of like an introduction to our working relationship as far as like what we're able to yes you know we make this podcast it's super fun we you know like to keep it usually pretty light usually. and funny and informative <laughs> yeah. and then also like working on this like creative work together like making zines and incorporating the way that he shoots and I shoot together into a cohesive like basically it's kind of
1: almost like a little book I would say it is I mean we're calling it a zine because I can't imagine not calling something a zine
0: (laughs) well there's not really much written work in it we've gotten (laughs) a little nuts with our newspapers.com subscription so thank you (laughs) podcast for that
1: Well, I guess the, the layout is, I guess it's most similar to the second issue of Conspiracy of Cartographers, where it's a little chaotic here and there. We had fun with it. <laughs> we had, <laughs> we kind of just threw off the ideas of what a photo zine is and really focused more on the zine
0: aspect of it, I guess. Yeah, I think so it'll be fun i'll be interested i haven't seen it yet i no, uh, haven't
1: so this will be for sale we still have a few things we're working on for this project and we're not exactly sure when they'll be for sale but yeah we are thinking probably in the next couple of weeks definitely this month mm-hmm. yes so we will talk about it again and we will uh, let you know where to get it and how
0: Okay, and that's about all the podcasts we have for you, Meow. Yeah, I
1: think that's it. Remember the question for our next episode's answering machine is, if we died today, what would people say about our lives through the photos we've left behind? Another not easy question to answer. <laughs> it's definitely a question that requires a little more thought than, you know, what's your favorite camera? So hopefully, hopefully it does. <laughs> So, um, good luck with that, folks.
0: If you'd like to contact us, we're at allthroughalens.podcast on Instagram. By email, it's Podcast at Gmail, and we're at allthroughalens
1: on Twitter. Vanya is at Surf Martian. And Eric is at conspiracy.of.cartographers. Both on Instagram and speaking of Instagram, make sure to hashtag your stuff, hashtag All Through a Lens podcast to be featured.
0: We also do a Spotify playlist for each episode, so check those out and see what we're listening to. Just search All Through a Lens.
1: You can also find our episodes on Spotify, as well as on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and wherever the hell else you find your podcast. Subscribe and leave us a review.
0: The music you are hearing now is from Last Regiment of Syncopated Drummers, which you can find at lastregiment.com.
1: And thank you all so, so much for listening. We really appreciate you listening to us. We love you. See you in a couple of weeks. Vanya? Yes? Do you want to go out and shoot? Fuck yeah, I do. Let's go.
0: It's basically like coffee, take Marley to school, surf, eat, nap, Coffee, dinner, and then that's it, right? And then talk to Eric occasionally.